If you don't stay down and you never quit, come on over here and sit on the far end of the bench. Welcome in, everybody. I know it's a little bit different. We we were planning on releasing our episode on our new day now, Thursdays. Thank you guys for tuning in to the far end of the bench. Technically, episode 116 is just going to be a little quick bonus. Uh, you'll see it up on the YouTube channel. You'll be able to hear it on our podcast feed. Also, we have Rev the Problem Coca. So you guys, it's either we're talking college football or we're talking MMA. And guess what? MMA. Uh, I got to, I didn't buy the pay-per-view, but I did get to watch it through a TikTok live shout out to the Chinese government because that was awesome. Uh, but we, we have a lot to talk about for the MMA and, and we did bring on Rev before we get into all that follow at FEOTB pod on social media, follow us wherever you're listening to your podcast and also check out the variety sports network. That is our, uh, we're presented by the variety sports network. You can follow them at variety underscore sports underscore. And we have a couple of sponsors that we'll, we'll talk about in this little segment here as well. But uh, Nico, I'm excited. It was a good UFC event. And, and now we, we've, we talked about, we've had Rev, we had Rev on after the last big UFC pay-per-view. So we're bringing him back because the UFC is just dropping pay-per-views like candy. I'm, I'm pumped to talk about this one. It was, it was a good card. It's, it's, it's like, look, like, like how people give out candy on Halloween. Dana White just gives out great card after great card on pay-per-views. So uh, uh, sorry, Red, to keep to to to, to uh, keep making you the workhorse here, but it looks like after every card, we're gonna have your ass back here because it, it just does not stop coming with these hits, man. I mean, it, it just feels like that that they cannot miss with with the storylines. It, it's it's WWE storylines mixed with real martial arts. I mean, what look, this is? What can you get? Does not get much better than this? Oh, yeah. Speaking of that WWE storyline, who knows? Is he all the Sonya? What if he goes to the WWE and all of a sudden Alex Pereira just follows him there and beats him in pro wrestling? Walks him down, knocks him out, like always. Yeah. That's just kind of like the running jokes on Twitter. It's like no matter where Israel Adesanya goes or what sport he joins, Alex Pereira is just going to be right behind him. He's just going to be that. He's just going to be that hater. Just following him wherever he goes. <laughs> well, we're gonna save talking about the main event, but if he just is he knew just that much more wrestling, he probably would have won that fight very easily because the round that he got him down, I was like, that this could be the I thought it was gonna be the end because Pereira looked like he was tired, but no. And apparently Izzy has uh Safeway bags for fists. He's not packing any power in those punches. And that's uh, strange. Did you not see the end of that first round? No, I did. But but it, did he finish him? Herrera's or, got a chin also. <laughs> so but he was getting he was getting rocked early on. Um let's uh we're we're starting with the undercard here. So I kind of you know not too familiar with most of these people, but I do know the, the main name kind of star power dominic reyes uh molly mccann you can talk about just because of the international crowd but dominic reyes fought john jones for the light heavyweight championship was giving him kind of a a good fight early on he actually got knocked out by ryan span who picks up a, a decent victory that's it's kind of a, a resume builder here reyes is now more of a gatekeeper sitting at 12 and 4 uh, uh interested rev where do you see Dominic Reyes fitting into this light heavyweight division now? We thought it was kind of more wide open. I kind of thought that he was going to get himself back into the title picture, but it doesn't seem to be trending that way. Uh, what, are, what are you seeing with him and, and his trajectory so far? His trajectory is definitely one that 
if you're in his corner, you got to be very concerned when which now his durability and just some of his vulnerabilities when it comes to him leaving his chin out there in the air and just getting smoked constantly is just something that's getting exploited more and more. And where Blahovich took him out with, I believe it was like a it was like a kick punch combination. You know, he assaulted a body then that then broke his nose. And then now in the Prohach, Yuri Prohachka fight, and then even more alarming is in this fight with Ryan Spann and where the the matchup this is like a step down in competition and he's still getting hit. He's still throwing naked kicks in, di in distance where he could easily get punched in the face, which is what happened in this matchup. And it's definitely concerning where you could argue he beat John Jones in 2020 and he went from arguably being the division's champion to now, like you have to wonder if he even has the durability to hold up in this sport. Like he's just been a complete 180 since that night in what February of 2020. Yeah, yeah, no, his his chin is is completely gone. Let's put it this way. I mean, Span hit him with the left hand. I'm watching the uh, right now. Hit him with a left hand that was barely anything, and I hit him over the top with the right. And then after that, it was lights out, out cold for him. He was not covering well at all. I mean. This guy, Dominic Reyes, seems as seemed as though he took that John Jones fight like, oh, I'm the man. No, you, you got close to being the man. You're never the man. You weren't the man. You still aren't the man. Because think about this. What was it? Two years ago, two short years ago, this guy was held a, a co-main event on, on a big-time pay-per-view. This guy isn't even the headlighter on the prelims, and he gets bitch-slapped, basically. And a Span comes in, who's a hell of a fighter. Dude's got some power in his fist and, and, and just just knocks him out cold head banging against the can canvas i mean like i said dominic reyes look it might be time to go to a, a pfl <laughs> let's, let's keep it buck here buddy because because i don't know how much longer you're gonna be in, 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 in around in this highlight heavyweight division Oof, yeah no that was a that was a rough knockout that referee should have got in there a little bit sooner hey you don't need to play basketball with his forehead that's the, that wasn't necessary uh, in his last four fights, he's on a four-fight losing streak, going back to that 2020 matchup against John Jones, lost by unanimous decision, and then KO by Blahovich, like Rev mentioned, KO by Prohaska, like he mentioned, and then now this latest addition right to the top of the back of the head. I mean, kind of landed in the spot where we see a lot of people go down, but that just wasn't – he landed 12 total strikes in the fight. It wasn't like he was even getting geared up to kind of put on a performance. I would say that he was – he, it was going to happen one way or the other. That that finish seemed inevitable once you saw those two guys moving around in the octagon. You saw one guy that was circling like a shark and one guy that was just trying to kind of stay above water, and he didn't stay above water. That was very violent of a, of a knockout. Um, I, let's talk about the Aaron Blanchfield-Molly McCann fight. Obviously, Molly McCann, big international audience, and then she's also very popular through her work with Barstool Sports and, and Dave Portnoy, her relationship there. With those guys, Aaron Blanchfield, though, very tough prospect. Molly McCann was a heavy underdog, and it showed when you saw this fight, uh, round one submission by Kimura, and it wasn't ever really even close to being anything. Uh, 115 total, or excuse me, 93 total strikes landed by Blanchfield compared to seven of Molly McCann. Uh, <clears throat> total domination. I, I just don't know what else you could – Talk about Blanchfield, it. I don't think he even broke a sweat, for being honest. Well, Talk she about, did it. Like, like it, it was a, an all-out dominant performance. And Molly McCann, look, there was a lot of hype on her, obviously, with, with being 
training with Patty Pimbley, Patty the Batty over there, and, and having having a good following and people and, and myself. I don't I know who Aaron Blanchfield was. I threw money on Molly because I was a heavy underdog. I was like, you know, if I can get this money here, why not? But Blanchfield showed why she is one of the persons that, that, that people are talking about being in this flyweight division that could be the next person up in this division that could be, that could be contending here for, uh, um, for, for, for a title shot in the near future. She, like I said, dominant performance, getting untouched like that against a big name. Like it's like, look, it's not a massive name. Don't get me wrong, but it's a big name in terms of, in terms of, in terms of, uh, um, names or faces on the sport. So, so like I said, it's a, it was a statement win in Blanchfield, I said untouched. We could see her back in two months going after another person. Like, like this is a fight where keep riding this momentum. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah and she's, she's on an undefeated streak here in the UFC. I think that's four wins now. And she's had yeah. the, she's had the hype. ESPN comes out with a list every year of top fighters under the age of 25. And Aaron Blanchfield cracked that list. She doesn't have the hype that Molly McCann had. So this fight kind of felt like a setup fight that, in that case where, you know, Molly McCann is finally starting to get some popularity, you know, being, you know, basically a part of that Patty Pimblet, Barstool entourage kind of rubbed off on her. And all of a sudden, you know, she being a charismatic person herself, people were finally starting to like track onto her and McCann finally starting to get some popularity. And they gave her a tough matchup against, you know, where as McCann's weaknesses can't be dealing with those pressure grapplers, you're going to give her a young prospect and, you know, a very dynamic offensive grappler in Aaron Blanchfield, who she picks up her second in a row submission victory. She took her down, passed her guard to relative ease, and basically ripped McCann's arm off and took it home with her. So big win. It put Blanchfield on a map, taking out a popular name. And now she's going to get more, she's going to get more attention in her next matchup as one of the more notable prospects in this division. That's one of those, matchups like one of those performances i know you remember those days ref where like your wrestler goes out there and like beats somebody too fast and then the referee or the coach go tells him okay go ride the bike for 45 minutes so we work up a sweat and actually stay in shape here because that wasn't worth our time that it was worth aaron blanchfield's time because i agree this was a win-win scenario for the ufc molly mccann wins great because she's got the following already and hopefully she continues to get better because that would be a very lucky victory if it did happen. But now you get Aaron Blanchfield to be seen in front of a live audience uh, on the undercard. So it wasn't behind pay-per-view on ESPN plus and, and the ESPN networks. It was a win-win scenario. So Dana set himself up for cash on either side. And I would say that that's going to be Aaron Blanchfield. The next time that she fights, she's going to have a lot more hype and maybe even cracks a uh, main card of a UFC or, or possibly a co-main event of a fight night. Those are yeah. possibly some, yeah. some steps that I could see being taken. Yeah. She's only 23 years old and she fights with a lot of, you know, like the cool, calm, collected composure. She kind of has like a kind of just even killed pers personality where she seems very mature as someone who's 23 and fights in a mature manner as well. And very dynamic submission artist. She's, she's only 23 and she's winning fights like this. What are we all doing? <laughs> No kidding. <laughs> I'm, we're starting to close, like inch closer to that eight. We're Rev and I were talking. I think we've already passed that. <laughs> no, I know. But Rev and I were talking about Jordan Mailata, and um, and then I brought up Jordan Davis. We're like, oh shit, these guys are like six six and three hundred eighty five pounds, and my we got twenty year old playing the NFL now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's bad. I don't like that. Um, any other 
Anything else Rev, stick out from the prelims before we get into the main card and, and start talking about the meat of this uh, UFC pay-per-view? Well, it was just an all-around great performance, not only during the fight for Hanato Moikano, being able to you know, land with better intensity against an experienced kickboxer, Brad Riddell, just kind of uh, hit him, land some good long-distance shots, got him down, and got the quick submission with the rear naked choke, which is a which is his specialty submission, which I believe all of his submission wins is that. Morikano looked good during the fight. Now, I don't know if you saw his promo afterwards, but the, he had the FCC working overtime just with all the F-bonds he was throwing. You know, him being a Brazilian and how quickly he's learning English in which he rips he rips a better promo than 90% of the American fighters. And English is a second language. And yeah, it's going to bring Morikano some attention for his next fight. I will say the other thing that stood out for me, we had, we had an undefeated guy on the early prelims, a guy who, um, if people forgot the story about the uh, um, fighter in the in the uh, Fight Island Hotel that brought his girl up with him, that was Otman Ot- 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 Alzatar. Uh, um, he was a guy that in 2020 brought his girlfriend up and he got, and he got cut for that reason and didn't get on the fight card. And he, he came back. This is the first fight back from the UFC. He was a 13 0 fighter and faced a dude, um, Matt Ravola, who was from Queens. That was a Mets fan that sang the Mets that, that walked out to Edwin Diaz's music right then and there. I knew he was winning that fight. So, so, and I, I thought that was a pretty entertaining fight too. So against the undefeated guy, it was a big win for Matt Ravola. I was going to say, I can't find an undefeated fighter. Oh, there it is. Yeah, 13 and 1 now. 13 and 1. Uh, <clears throat> let's move on to the main part of UFC 281, what we were all kind of excited about. Um, lightweight kicked things off Claudio Puelles and Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker um, just sticking around, kind of near, always circling the title picture, sometimes getting himself close to being in it, but then, you know, he catches a right hand from hell from Michael Chandler and suddenly falls like six steps down the ladder. Uh, but he gets the win this time, KO victory in the second round over Claudio Puelles. It was a slugfest, and it, it just continued on from there. Both guys landed great shots. Both guys were hurt at different times. One of the more entertaining fights that, I can remember kicking off a UFC pay-per-view, but let's just kind of talk about it. Dan Hooker now 22 and 12 uh, tops his two fight losing streak that he was on. Where does this kind of put him in, in the stratosphere of the lightweight division, which is a shark tank. And we all know that and is controlled by the alpha shark right now. Um, I'd say this win really just keeps him around the top 10. I don't know if Dan Hooker has a, running him to put him in a position to fight for a title anymore. But he could definitely win some matchups here, which if he goes up against an opponent in Puez who really wasn't ready to do anything besides die for heel hooks, then yeah, he kind of pick him apart, abuse his body, and kind of use that long range, that 75-inch reach, that six that six feet tall frame, and just pick him apart, which he did. And going on the side of Claudio Puez, it was just even though he came close to landing a heel hook in the first round outside of that, it was really a humiliating performance in which he kind of just looked too timid to even like exchange with hooker on the feet. And from there, once he didn't get that knee bar or once he couldn't get the heel hook, he was just going constantly like not finishing his takedowns in which who knows, maybe if he tried to finish the shot, it would have put him in a better position rather than, getting a shot entry and then flopping to his back. 
attempting a shot and flopping to his back and then just being stuck on the feet and just it's it seemed like he quit at the end it's just humiliating performance players has potential hopefully he goes back watches this fight and is just you know disgusted watching it and yeah good win for hooker but just a disappointing showing for players if you ask me I'm never gonna say a guy had no will to win and 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 did not want to be there at all because you never know what's going on in the fire's mind. But a, a KO with a stomach kick that halfway landed, I think, is as embarrassing as it comes. And look, Dan Hooker before this fight had won one fight in two years, and he's this was supposed to be times. a gatekeeper matchup. He's he's fought five times and he's won one one fight in two years and, yeah. and 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 he 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 gets his win where in all honesty like like rev hit the nail on the head claudio just tried to try to take him down eight times eight times oh for eight <laughs> i mean it's not working point, and it was some... like a half-hearted shot where it's like uh he didn't try to finish it though but like he would just get it on the shot and then flopped to his back. They were they were fall. very generous. They they probably could have gave more than eight. They were like, you know what? We'll just say he fell and slept on a couple of these, and not say eight. But yeah, I, look, this is a fight, Dan Hooker. Look, good good for you. You finally got you maybe got a little bit of confidence back. But like I said, this division is is the who's who in the AFC right now. Like like it's not it's not a point where Dan Hooker can tap someone on the back like, oh, I'm ready to fight another big dog. Because that performance is just another fight that Dana White's going to look at and be like, you still need another gatekeeper match. Like, that wasn't nothing. This could, you just showed me that this dude was nothing that you just fought. I, like, I'm not ready to put you back in there and get your head taken off by some of these other dogs. Uh, it's kind of saving him from himself because if he goes, it just the two guys that are in the fight that we have coming up, Chandler and Poirier, both. We, we know Chan, what Chandler did to, to Dan Hooker, and Poirier's been so good for so long that Dan Hooker has never even come close to sniffing him, I, 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 unless they have fought in the past, and, and I'm totally blanking on that. But that's just my feelings, and, and looking at the, the, the divisional rankings here in, in lightweight, Dan Hooker not in the top 10. So he, yeah, he, he took a fight down at featherweight, you know, drained his body down, trying to make a weight that he hadn't made since, like, 2014. But, yeah, now he's back at lightweight. It's a strange – I think that he was – the UFC was kind of banking on him to lose to Poyes and then be able to kind of catapult Poyes from there. But it yeah. didn't work out for them. And yeah. they're kind of stuck with what Dan Hooker already is and what everybody already knows he is. That's, yeah, that's me, the unfortunate thing. Yeah, to say one more thing about Poyes is – if the UFC gives him another chance, let's just outright cut him after that performance. He's going to have to learn like another skill set to become something more than just a leg locker. Because yeah, you've, we've seen people in the UFC. We've seen the Ryan Halls, the Ian Atwistles, the Paul Sasses, the people whose games were specifically based off of like leg locks and bottom game jujitsu submissions. In which, if Poyas doesn't build off his game and at least get some confidence to at least exchange on the feet and throw some punching combinations and to get confident in striking, then he's going to fade out. People are going to figure him out after maybe they defend a, a heel hook or two. He's going to get exposed and he's going to get beaten down. So he's going to need to learn something from this performance. It should sting him so that he, he gets better from this, in which if he doesn't become anything more than just a leg locker, then he's going to get broken. 
Yep, and I think now that we, we're at a good spot, we can kind of move forward. And then the second fight on the card was, we all knew that it was going to be Frankie Edgar's last fight. Um, and the UFC did him no favors, kind of like, oh, thank you for all your work, Frankie. Here's a lion who's going to take your head off on the way out. Yeah, no, and and here's a, a subscription since we're getting close to the holiday season. You get 50 bucks and a subscription to the Jelly of the Month Club. Thank you for your service, Frankie Edgar. All those years, the the championship runs that you had, um, the miles that you put on your body, and Chris Gutierrez just need his face, almost caved his face in, kind of like uh, Cyborg Santos a couple years ago, just getting his face yeah. caved in. It was not pretty. Definitely yeah. not pretty at all. Yeah, I mean, go, Nico. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I'll, I'll, I'll touch on this first. I know we can talk about, we can hype up Frankie all the while, but let me talk about the, the Inglewood kid, the guy of Factory X Muay Thai, Factory X Muay Thai, El Guapo, they call him, Chris Gutierrez. Look, did this guy a number next to his name? The man did is he on get a, permission from Boss Rutten to use El Guapo? Uh, I, I don't know, but you know what? The, the dude has won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven out of his eight last eight fights with a draw. A dude, get him a damn number next to his name. The, the, the dude is an animal. I mean, look, whether it be the, the leg kicks, he's won by a leg kick, he's won by a knee, he's won, he's won by a knockout. Like, this guy deserves the, his, his, his roses. And look, Frankie, you picked a bad day to, to, to show up, to, 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 like a bad guy to pick uh, to be your last fight because this was as dominant as a performance as I've seen Chris fight in a while. I mean, look, everyone was there for Frankie. Everyone um, was there knowing that his last fight, this last chance to see Frankie Edgar, blah, blah. He revolutionized the sport, which he did. I'm not saying he didn't. But Gutierrez came in and was like, you know what? This is my time. It is my time. He didn't waste a round. He was, he was lying on his feet, and he was ready to roll. And, and man, Frankie, Frankie has, has gotten knocked out four out of the last five fights that he's, that he's fought. And, and, and ever since losing losing that, that title fight to Max Holloway back in 2019, it, it was it was a long, long overdue. I think he should have hung him up after that a Holloway fight because bet- I, don't, I don't know if you guys remember the, the knockout picture of his last fight before before he fought Frankie or sorry before he fought Gutierrez. His face looked like goddamn Frogman Frogger from 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 from, from uh, the video game Nintendo video game. Because his face was so badly contorted, and and then on Saturday night, a dude, a dude had his nose taken off by a knee. I, I mean, I, like you, with you his kids know. in the front row, like, like with his got, kids in the front row with t-shirts of his face on them, uh, and then his face didn't look like that. You gotta know, like, like it's it's like it's it's, it's time, buddy. I, I'm laughing at this ESPN picture of, of damage. It's Frankie Edward, Edgar's head lit up in red, and nothing else lit up at all for anyone else because all Gutierrez threw was was punches and that flying knee, and his list just got lit the fuck up. Yeah, definitely not a nice way to say goodbye to Frankie for Gutierrez. You know, technical kickboxer, kicks like a mule. You know, very, you know, very patient, composed, very well layered game, and now he has the biggest name on his resume. You know, yeah, he's the biggest name on his resume. He and a former champion. Yeah, it was an over the hill Frankie Edgar, but it's Frankie Edgar. So now he has on his resume, and hopefully now he gets some top fifty matchups. But to go on the side of Frankie Edgar here is, it's just like when you saw the matchup start, and he's going up against. You know, a bantamweight here in which he used to fight at lightweight 
And now the Bantamweight she's fighting are bigger than him. And not only is Gutierrez bigger than him, but also faster than him. You know, Frankie usually having the advantage of being that light on his feet, always bouncing around guy, going up against the faster guy, doesn't have the chin that he used to have. You know, the legendary chin that gone through the great Maynard fight. He doesn't have the chin anymore. He's a slower guy. He He's a smaller guy. Like, he didn't have any advantages here. And it's just, it was a cool matchup. And there was just no way he was going to get out of it. And, yeah, he took a Mortal Kombat knee to the face. And, yeah, it wasn't very nice. No, not very nice at all. But, I mean, I, I hope that it wasn't Frankie Edgar who picked Gutierrez to go and be his last fight. And why? Why put your kids why? in the front row why? of the fight? Why? Gutierrez has literally knocked out his last three opponents of, of of some sort, and and you you just said, you know what? I got I got embarrassed, and and my face got plastered all over fucking Twitter, and 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 you know what? Let me go face a guy that also is knockout power with his knee, with his legs. That 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 God the dude has goddamn tree trunks for legs, and and you and you and you just said, you know, what? Let's, let's, makes- let's do it again. Yeah. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go three rounds here with this guy. Gutierrez looked like he could have fought like Poirier and, and Chandler. I don't know how he makes 135. But like I said, but he, he, he gave is, a number next to his fucking name. Yeah, he put it work the right way. I mean, not 19, 3 and 2 record. He's got solid professional experience. Now it's not like he's it's not like he's gonna get surprised by anybody if you put him in those top 15 matchups. I think that's probably the trajectory of where where he should go so a uh, big win for him and i didn't realize that he was an angle guy i know you said we had a local guy on but i couldn't yeah, I didn't well, put yeah two my two dad together. also has his lawyer so that helps uh, yeah. and he and he trains with uh uh yeah busy mark montoya B. factory uh, X, mark yeah. montoya busy b uh mark correa jujitsu where my dad trains out too so yeah i have a little bit of a homer there, there you go can probably tell from my voice yeah. <laughs> how i talked about him um <laughs> uh, moving on to uh what was a great three-round kind of war in the lightweight division. I guess if you you want to say that it looks like Michael Chandler, Chandler went through a war. Did you guys see the video he posted on his social media talking to his kids oh, in yeah, the mask? Yeah. And <laughs> dude, his foot is so swollen. Just uh, props to him, though, because he did go on buzzing with the boys two days after getting his face worked in and, and choked out in front of millions and millions of people in his underwear. I don't know what to make of Michael Chandler. I, I, all I can say is I kind of wish that he was in the UFC when he was younger, uh, but his fights have been really, really entertaining. Even the ones that he's losing. He's losing and, 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 and great fashion. The, the dude has, the dude has, uh, I'm pretty sure his last couple fights in the UFC where he's lost have been fight of the nights. Yeah. I, I mean, look, look, this division is just fucking unreal. Let's just, just, Say it as it is. This division is the best of the UFC. It's not even close. One through six can all, I feel like, can all beat each other at any point in, in, in the time between Olivera, Gaethje, Poirier, and, 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 and Makachev, obviously. I don't know why we're fucking double champing this division when there's literally murder's row of opponents for Makachev. But, I mean, there's, there's like, like I said, look, it's, it's, it's a weird sp- spot to be in because Michael Chandler's undersized for this division i'll say he's undersized for this division let's he's be honest thicker than a snicker dude. he's thicker he's thick but he's much smaller he's like a fire hydrant he i mean he's listening at five to nine 
the UFC isn't always accurate. The height list means I'd have to guess he's like five foot six. I'm pretty sure they give him a couple inches. Yeah, they're very, very generous <laughs> with that. Uh, like, if I'm Michael Chandler, why the fuck would you try not to move down to the league? Like, let's let's just keep it a buck here. He'd have and to cut the, his leg off. He's a beefcake. I don't know. <laughs> but but give, me, give me Michael Chandler was Volkanovsky, for fuck's sake. Well, Those two, that, that would be if one you're going to talk about anybody, yeah, him, because he used to be a Because Volk did pounds. it, too. Volk was fucking massive, too. And let's be honest, Chandler is not – unless Chandler wants to play his ring around the rosy of who's going to win on every any given night in this division, that he's not going to ever touch UFC gold. And that was his goal when he came to the UFC because he had won elsewhere. He, he And the one thing he's been missing is that UFC gold. And let's be honest, I don't know how much I like his chances after what his chin has shown. I'm a Michael Chandler fan. I, I absolutely am. I think he's a hell of a fighter. He's entertaining as fuck. But that's a murder's row of opponents in this division. And, 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 yeah. and, if, and if I'm him, I'm thinking, why the fuck would I not try to cut that that low and try to go after Volkanovski? Because, because I mean, that'd be a hell of a fight. Yeah, sometimes I wonder exactly what his motive is if, if it is still to become a champion or just to put on entertaining fights. Because at this point, with both these guys at lightweight, I don't see these guys really. There's they're gonna have to take a hard route to even get back into a title shot. And well. Maybe, just maybe they schedule Poirier versus Makachev, but I don't know if they'll just be so quick to do that with guys like Rafael Fiziev and Benil Dariush hanging around. And, of course, Alexander Volkanovsky right there just with how how good and how in, how in good form he looks right now. But, yeah, just to go back to talk about this fight, it was just it's interesting to see just the way the tides kept turning. Michael Chandler coming out early and let, putting Poirier on the back foot in which – he doesn't seem to have any way to like conserve his energy. He's just, as soon as the fight goes, he's just balls to the wall. He's just pushes Poirier back. He's landing flurries, you know. No, those punches are too much so energy. hard. Yeah, wastes a little too much energy going for a suplex, and then Poirier is able to land a couple shots and maybe even steal the first round. Round two comes around, and Chandler pulls out the bag of dirty tricks. He takes him down. He's punching him in the back of the head. He's blowing bloody snot rockets in his face. And just, it's just, he even, he was even fish hooking Dustin Poirier in the mouth, at which Poirier said it uh, while he's being interviewed by Rogan, that he was getting fish hooked. You can see in a replay, like Chandler just literally doing anything he could to win, just like every dirty trick he could go to, he went for it, took him down, and it still wasn't enough. Round three goes around, he comes around, he loses the scramble and gets choked down. It's just, when you get these two people in there, there's no way the fight was going to be a dud. It's, it was going to be entertaining. And it kind of keeps them in the same place, really. Like, Poirier has always kind of been that top contender. And Chandler has just always been the guy who he's going to give a top 10 fighter a run for their money because he's so explosive. He's like a dynamo. And he doesn't waste his energy at all. He's coming at you. So it doesn't – it kind of keeps them where they're at. And, yeah, good, exciting fight. And you could just schedule them with any lightweight there in the top 10. You're going to get an exciting fight out of it. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I think, in all honesty, as, you're, as we were watching this fight, like, I think Poirier knew he was going to fucking do that. Like, I think he knew exactly what Chandler's game plan was. He's going to throw the, the, the whole bag in the kitchen sink at you. And at some point, those punches are going to stop deteriorating. At some point, he's going to leave openings. And he did. And he took a full advantage of it. I mean, like I said, 
Chandler came into this thinking, like, you know what, I'm going to come for the swing. Poirier came in like, you know what, this guy's going to throw everything at me. I know I have the chin. I know I have the wrestling to match him. Like, I know I can, I can, I can figure my way into this and get, get to his back and get the rear neck and choke. I mean, like I said, it's, it's the mastery of, of Poirier and the experience of being in the UFC. Like, 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 like I said, Chandler could do that to dudes and, 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 and other companies because other companies weren't as masterful and weren't as prepared as these UFC guys are with, with the different training camps and the different repertoire they have. That's why they call it the big leagues. I mean, look, look, I, it, it's, there's a lot of different things this division can go, but like I said, Poirier is going, Poirier is a name that will always be around. And, and like I said, it's going to be interesting what they do with both of these guys. Do you give Chandler a, a gate? Keeper fight and give him Darius because I think he could take Darius's head off. Something honest you. I don't know about that. And then Poirier, do you put him back in the title picture? Like, it, there's a lot of different directions you can go with all this. Dustin Poirier, Rocky Three, Michael Chandler. Ain't so bad. Ain't so bad. I was watching some of those punches that he was landing. Uh, he was throwing them with everything. Like they were landing hard, snapping Dustin Poirier's head he around. But he, no light. Yeah, he doesn't throw yeah. no light conscious. When they made contact, it was just poof. It was like his head was in a washing machine. Uh, but he weathered the storm, and then he put on a boxing clinic of his own. One that clean one-two initially that put Chandler to the ground. That was you saw. This was a a playground fighter versus a prize fighter. That's what it turned out to be. And the prize fighter not only knocked him to the ground, but then also got onto his back and made you tap out, put you to sleep. Um, so I, Another dominant performance, uh, Wei Li Zhang, Zhang Wei Li. I can't remember how you're supposed to put the two names in, in order. Beats Carla Esparza, retain and regains the women's strawweight title, uh, 23 and three on her career, and it was pretty much total domination. Gets a rear naked choke in the second round, about a minute in, um, and is back in control of that that division. Uh, where do we think it was this kind of what, what was, what was your guys' I feeling going into this fight? If if there were any, I mean, I didn't necessarily really believe in Carlos Esparza. I feel like that was kind of a, a feel good moment when she won the title, but she wasn't going to be holding on to it for years on end like we've seen in the past. Yeah, like my feelings in this matchup were just well, if it goes longer or the longer the fight goes, Wei Li is a finishing threat here. Carlos Esparza, you know, she's a gritty person, you know, fights as hard as she can on the feet, you know, is a good wrestler, but ultimately she struggles to finish a lot of people. And Wei Li is going to be the one who's coming on late, is going to have the more finishing power, whether it's whether it's early on in the fight or late in the fight. She's just a more dynamic athlete and a more physically gifted person. That played out in the fight. On the feet, on the feet, it wasn't competitive at all. And on the ground, it was competitive. There were moments where as far as it was winning scrambles and won out some positions here and there, but ultimately Wei Li is a more dynamic fighter and it played out as far as I fought, fought as hard as she could, but th- those are just two different tiers of athletes. Yeah. With Wei Li, I mean, look, when I was watching that fight, it, it, it wasn't, I wasn't, like I wasn't a doubt of, of how Esparza has a chance here. It was how Wei Li wanted to finish the fight, in my opinion. Wei Li never gave her a chance to breathe, I'm pretty sure. And 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 that and that second the whole first round and halfway through the, the the second round as well, it seemed as though Esparza tried so many different things, tried to get moves on the ground, tried to get some holds here and there. 
But Waylee was like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm stronger than you. I'm bigger than you. I'm faster than you. Anything you're going to throw at me, I'm going to match it right there, here, there. And you're not going to have one chance to breathe lightly in this situation. And, and like I said, it was a good win for Spars over Rose. And that absolutely. And I think she does deserve another shot. It's, it's interesting. But like Waylee, you cannot say enough good things about Whaley. It's just that one, that one person that she just struggles with. <laughs> it's Thug Rose. It's, 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 it's weird, right? It's just weird. The two losses to Thug Rose. I mean, if there's one person that's a kryptonite, it's her. And, and I expect Rose and Whaley to come back again and we see that fight again happen. Yeah, and I won't be surprised if Whaley won that next one because mm-hmm. who knows where Rose's headspace is at. Like, Absolutely. You know, like, I'm watching this fight, and I'm wondering if Rose, like, if Rose's head wasn't in her ass in that last fight, if she actually put her foot on a pedal and then they go into full-on defense mode, like, why couldn't she do what Whaley did to Carla Esparza? Like, like I, she had to have been watching that fight. And you you have to wonder if they do a trilogy fight here between Whaley and Rose. And honestly, this time, if Rose is in the right headspace, yeah, interesting matchup. But I think I would pick Whaley to win. I would like to see a rematch. I think that Whaley didn't have the the best performance. And it might have been because Rose is that much better of a fighter. But I don't necessarily – I honestly think that matchup is a lot closer and should be a lot closer each time uh, where somebody different could win every time that you get a fight. I guess it's a very good win and she's a very good champion and looking forward to seeing what she does next because everything that she's done so far has been dynamic. Those two young Jacek fights, um, the first one, especially that's one of my all time favorites. I'd go back and watch that whenever I have a chance, just because it was so dynamic and (laughs) I do like to see a little alien hump on young Jacek's face because Whaley hits so hard. With she hit so damn hard, she gave her a hematoma on the top of her forehead. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah that's what that's what what five rounds of Whaley does. And and like I said, it was an all-out war. That way, anytime you step in with with Whaley, it's it's a war, and you're gonna know that you fought her after the fight, even if you lose. Like that that split decision fight. Um, I forgot if it was the first or second time with Rose. It could have gone either way too. So, like there there there's there's a real conversation we had like. If because look, Joanna's out of the, the, the picture, she's doing modeling now. Spars is probably the only other person in this division as of right now. There's a few up and comers, but it could be another just I think that's the fight to make. That's if you're Dana White, it's a fight to make, or unless you want to give Spars another rematch. Well, outside of that, there's Amanda Lamos who had that who had that oh, TKO victory right, a couple weeks ago. Uh, Marina Rodriguez. Jessica Andrade hasn't fought in a while, but she's around. Beat Lamos with a standing arm triangle choke. So it'd be interesting to see, you know, she has a physicality. And who knows? Maybe if Andrade and Wei Lee fight again, the fight's not going to end again in one minute. Like, Andrade has a physicality to make a fight between her and Wei, and Wei Lee Zhang very interesting. So if not, Rose Namajunas, you have Amanda Lamos right there, and you have Jessica Andrade, a former champion too. So you got a couple ways to go here. Going to get exciting in the women's uh, strawweight, yeah, women's strawweight division. Um, but Whaley Zhang recaptures the strawweight title in the co-main event, and then that leads us to it was a very dominant performance. It was kind of back and forth at times, but up until the last last round, the last minute of the fourth round, 
where Pejea started to kind of land on him and then going into the fifth round, totally flipped the entire dynamic of the fight. Up until that, it was Adesanya's fight to lose. And boy, did he lose it. Oh, my word. I, I just wasn't what I was expecting. I thought that, okay, the loss to Blahovich makes sense because when you saw them in the octagon, whether they were close to the, they were not close to the same weight at all. I mean, Adesanya barely has to do anything to make middleweight and Blahovich cuts from 235 down to 205. There was no, no way that he was going to be able to win that fight if Blahovich got him to the ground. And then just to see the way that he kind of crumbled in, in the championship moment wasn't what I was expecting from Israel Adesanya. It's not something that we've seen from him. And it's the same guy. Maybe it is some sort of weird kryptonite or mental chi thing that Preheya has over him. But currently, that's that's your boogeyman. You're going to have to find a way to get over your boogeyman. And there, there, absolutely, there absolutely was that in the back of his head because there's no doubt Izzy needed two more minutes or three more minutes left until he won that fight. Like, like, like it was, it was, it was a three to one with, with, with that fourth round going to Pajara into that fifth round. And, and like I said, Pajara was like, you know what? Like he, he think he's going to, if he wants to sit around and he wants to fuck around and be like, I'm, I'm this, I'm that I'm the guy around here. I'm going to fuck him up. That's exactly what happened. And look, Izzy's cockiness got to him. That's exactly all this was. He thought that you know what I'm gonna coast my way into this fifth round and prove why I'm still I'm still pound pound number one right now, and he is no longer that. And 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 right now there are some up for grabs for that for that title absolutely. But man, talk about resilience, Pereira. Like I said, get his ass beat for those three rounds and and that fourth round that turnaround. I mean, he knew that that Izzy was gonna get to that point, and Izzy. Killed himself, not killed himself, but shot himself in the foot, trying to be cocky, trying to trying to coast his way to winning to, to, to those last two rounds. We're like, you know what? I can just win because I can win on points. And and he was able to do that against other opponents. Because Pereira, uh, uh, unlike, unlike Pereira, excuse me, unlike Pereira, those other fighters that were in his head. This guy has been in his head. He he's the one guy that 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 has has looked is is he down the down in the face and been like you know what I'm better than you it doesn't matter if it's kickboxing it doesn't matter if MMA he said I'm better than you and came in and did that I I, I look there's there's zero doubt that Izzy will get another shot here and, and if I'm being honest with you I I'd expect Izzy probably to win the rematch because of how much how more well rounded he is as a fighter but. Like I said, it's the boogeyman. You said it perfect, Jimmy. It's it's the boogeyman, and and this is a hurdle that the great ones have to get over. And if if, if Izzy wants to be that that guy, wants to be be known as one of the greats in this in this uh, in this sport, he's going to have to get over his demons. And one of those being Oxpera. Yeah, without a doubt. I think this fight's an example of just what happens when you not only won keep a power puncher around in a fight for too long and two what happens when you give him space and you continue to keep backing up and well I know it's a bit of a high side tape because Adesanya was when he stretches up this fight off of his back foot having Pajara stalk him down and he was winning off the back foot but ultimately when you give a power puncher that much space to figure out something over the span of 25 minutes he's gonna find a punch he's gonna find an upper he's gonna find something and yeah, and that's ultimately what happened. Adesanya was doing a good job of, you know, winning 
winning just enough exchanges on the feet to give them the lead, that 3-1 lead heading into round five. And then the moments in which they were in the clinch, that is letting some good stuff and taking them down and getting them in that little wrist right position and letting some effective ground and pound. But ultimately, when you give a power puncher that much space by backing up over and over and allowing them to stick around and not going for the kill shot opportunities when he could and maybe there was that unfortunate moment in round one where when he finally did hurt Pereira it was at the end of the round but ultimately just kind of keeping him around and staying on the back foot is what gave him the loss even though he was winning doing that but Pereira is just such a power puncher that he's gonna find something eventually yeah, uh, Rev, I do want you, because I thought it was interesting when you brought it up before we started recording. I wanted you, want the listeners to be able to hear it, too. You mentioned there might be some sort of Nigerian curse because of the way Usman lost his title and now Adesanya lost his title in, in similar fashions. Yeah, if I had out there, you look at it, and it's they're heading into round five with a 3-1 lead, both of them, and they can win if they... I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go all the way on on the ledge that Nico went and say that Adesanya coasted because honestly, that he was kind of fighting the same fight to kind of tap in, do enough to land and win, but don't sell out. And but yeah, both Izzy and Usman heading into round five with three one leads, they give their opponent a little bit of space and they find an opening on the feet which puts them out. And it's yeah, it's a curse. Both of them are going to get immediate rematches to see if they can right those wrongs. But yeah, there's a bit of a curse there. All the going to get his immediate rematch. As for Alex Pereira, it's almost like it feels like a Brock Lesnar type of run where you got a guy <laughs> who had a very good, you know, had a very good background in their own respected combat sport. You know, Lesnar being what I believe what a two-time national champion wrestler, Pereira yeah. being a two-way champion in glory, then being very accomplished at their own respective discipline, but then getting quickly launched into the UFC and then only a few fights winning the championship. So it really feels like a Brock Lesnar type run where you have guys with a very limited one-dimensional skill set just kind of just going on these bizarre runs. We're just going to skip over the fact that Brock Lesnar beat Undertaker and Dwayne The Rock Johnson in the span of three months. Yeah, I mean, talking about WWE champion, I think Alf Pereira would love to be mentioned in the same name as Brock Lesnar's career and how much he's made, how much money he's made over the, the span of his career. Uh, but, but man, look, that 3-1 lead, everyone loves that 3-1 lead, don't you? Those 3-1 leads can come back to bite you in the ass. It doesn't matter if it's UFC, it doesn't matter if it's hockey, it doesn't matter if it's basketball, 3-1 leads come back to bite you in the ass. I mean, like I said, I'm, I would not say he was coasting. Uh, I think that was the wrong word to use. I think he was – it wasn't more coasting. It was more willing to, to, to win the fight with, with, with the judges' scorecards because he knew he was winning the score, judges' scorecards with Leon for Usman and then also Izzy with, with Pereira here. Um, and like I said, when, when you have dangerous fighters like Pereira is where, where he won't stop, and his cardio is incredible from from his past experience. I mean, like it's 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 an end all be all. Like I said, I expect Izzy to come back. I do expect. It, I, like I said, you could easily put Izzy and Usman on the same card. Just give them both rematches on the same card. Talk about fucking card to be all cards. That would be incredible. I mean, like there there's a lot of fireworks you can fight with with, with these because both of them are deserving of, of rematches and Izzy obviously is was was one of the pound for pound guys. Um but 
it's it's just this one dude. It really is this one dude. And look, all I'm gonna say is is if Usman does does win again, and 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 the one thing that I was that I was always wanting to, wanting to happen that could never happen because of the way these two divisions were set up. So I always wanted Usman to go for that double champ, and, and he he was never gonna do it with Izzy. He absolutely never was gonna do it. And maybe he maybe Pereira gets him. Gets him twice somehow, and 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 knocks him off twice, and and I would love to see Usman try to go after him as well. There's there's so many different things you can fight with all these all these dudes um, mixed around, and and like I said, Izzy's a hell of a fire, but Pereira, like I said, he, he he when Pereira knew in the back of his mind that he thinks he's won this fight, it's not over. Like that that's when that's when the when the time changed. That he thought he won this fight on the scorecards. Okay, this guy is going to try to go to the scorecards. I'm not going to let him get there. That's exactly the mindset Pereira had, and that's how he won the fight. It's a there's a difference between fighting to win and fighting not to lose. And you saw a transition there when he got rocked at the end of the fourth round. Adesanya changed from fighting to win to fighting not to lose, and that normally is the result when that happens. It. I'm going to have to have that lecture tomorrow with one of the wrestlers that I'm coaching where you're wrestling, you have to wrestle to win and you can't wrestle not to lose because you're afraid of making mistake. And I think that he made a mistake, got clipped, and then it just petrified him for the fifth round. Yeah. yeah and he was kind of doing the equivalent of a wrestler kind of skating around kind of like the outsides of the, the outside. Yes. Staying just out of bounds, just kind of waiting for you to shoot and capitalize. And yeah, just kind of playing that back foot game in which, yeah, he's, Give him credit. He did a good job of winning the fight off the back foot. Ultimately, Adesanya's a better fighter in open space. Like, try to back Pereira more. Like, he had some, like, he has some power to strike, so he's back him up a little bit. Like, yeah, you might have been, he might have been winning doing that, but ultimately, a power puncher giving him that much space and that much real estate, he's going to connect on you eventually. And that's, what happened and yeah going into the rematch if i'm eugene bearman i'm gonna tell israel Adesanya that like you had this in the bag but stop backing up so much like give him something to respect and you know meet him in the center of the cage would be uh one of the strategies that he could use it would have changed the entire fight completely uh i think we've talked this card to death I, i think that it was good that we got all of that in there though uh i know i told you rev like 15 minutes but when we started getting we got going and it just continued on from there. So uh, we appreciate you coming on and, and doing this little quick MMA segment. Um, before we we kind of wrap things up here, though, did want to mention it was a sad story, kind of a sudden story. Not many people, I think, expected it, but Anthony Rumble Johnson, uh, former light heavyweight championship contender, fought DC for the, cha- for the title uh, a couple times, passed away over the weekend. Uh, I didn't necessarily see any of the details as to why, uh, but it, it was – Definitely a very sudden and a, a very sad story. A guy that a lot of people have very solid and, and genuine, genuinely happy stories when they come into contact with him. Seemed like he always had a smile and, and tried to make everybody's day better. Um, so unfortunately, he he passed on. So rest in peace to him and and hopefully his family is able to recover. But that was just kind of one of the major MMA news news bulletins that that popped up over the weekend as well. Besides UFC 281, obviously. Yeah, it literally happened the day after. So you got to send a condolences to their friends and families and the loved ones of Anthony Rumble Johnson definitely one of the more fearsome punchers in the division just the, the amount of power he packed into his hands you know him knocking over to share his tooth out 
within the first 10 seconds of their matchup and getting that quick knockout victory in that fight, just really being up there with the Francis and Gondos and the Derek Lewis's and the Shane Carwins when it really just comes to just pure power. So definitely rest in peace to one of the more intimidating figures in the sport. No, absolutely. Like I said, it's, it's, it's a sad, it's a sad moment. Cause I think everyone remembered he was a heavyweight fighter at one point. Then he went all the way down the middle. I mean, the guy is, the guy was an excellent fighter and, and, and did a lot of great things in the sport and not only in the map, but outside of the sport too. Like that dude was very great uh, philanthropist and, and really, really helped the sport grow. And, and like I said, it's going to be, it's a, it's a big loss for the sport. And, and, and I hope that, like I said, hope, Fighters already have come out and 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 support and and try to help his family and and the people that he trained with. I hope they continue to do that. That uh, on on that note, obviously very sad to to see and and never want to see anybody taking that young. Uh, we are going to wrap things up here. So uh, Rev, I know we just did this since we're recording our shows back to back here tonight. But one more time for these listeners, where can they find uh, your stuff both on on your social medias and then on on Belly Up as well. Hey, I haven't ruined anything in over a week, but you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at RevCoca. I haven't been promoting my Instagram on these shows, but I'm going to now since it seems like Twitter could be going down any second. So I'm going to promote those. You can find me at RevCoca on both of those websites. And whenever I write something, you can find it on the Belly Up Sports website. I'll repost it on both those, both on Twitter and on Instagram. So whenever I post something, you'll know and you'll see it there. Definitely be sure to check out his stuff. Uh, Rev's a great writer, and he's a, he's my co-host for the Top of the Mountain, which we're going to have a few more episodes at least. Hopefully, either Colorado School of Mines or CSU Pueblo will, will continue on. But if you are listening to this show and you haven't checked out the new Top of the Mountain episode, getting ready for the play, first round of the playoffs, so please go do so. Be sure to follow at FEOTB Pod. Follow wherever you're listening to your podcast currently subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, been slacking a little bit with that, but it's going to start picking back up. I'm, I'm coming up on a couple of different holiday breaks. So I'm going to have a little bit of extra time. Yeah. You bet your ass. We got some world cup stuff to talk about next week too. So we, 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 we held off on that, but Hey, if you're listening to this, I will, I want to give a winner out. I've been giving winners out, Jimmy. I don't know if you know this. I'm, I'm five I, yeah. in a row. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm losing tonight though, unfortunately, because I hurt the under for whatever dumb reason I did that. But, but if you want a winner, the last three world cup winners, have lost in the group stage. Italy in 2010, which they're the 2006 World Cup champions. Uh, uh, Spain in 2014. And Germany in 2018. France right now to lose in the group stage. It's a long shot. Plus 5,000 odds. You want to take a winger? Take a swing at it. And and, and, and all, like I said, I'll cover that a lot more as we go into next week and the next couple next coming weeks. So, yeah, I, the World Cup is one of my favorite. Favorite times to watch the sport because of all the international um, um, ties. And that's why I love UFC also, too, because the different cultures all come in together. So, yeah, you bet your ass we'll be covering all that. And, and I know we took a bye week this week, but when we go back to our normal episodes, we'll have the pick them. We'll talk about the NFL for the last couple of weeks. I was looking at the scoreboard when we were trying to decide we, we were going to be recording late again. And I saw it was like only three teams that were both over 500 that had legitimate playoff hopes playing each other. I was like, yes, it might be a good time for a bye week. It's Oh, yeah. It's- Raiders Broncos this week, Jimmy. I just cannot fucking wait to watch that in the snow.
Yeah, yeah, well, it's going to be rough. Uh, but thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you to, once again to Rev for coming back on and talking about the UFC. Uh, this has been a little bonus hit of the Far End of the Bench podcast with myself, Jimmy Pilato, my co-host, Nico Bryant, and our guest, Rev, the Problem Coca. Thank you guys for listening. We will see you next week. Peace. If you don't stay down and you never quit, come on over here and sit on the far end of the bench. Mm-hmm.